Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. We are hope you are doing well. I am Mike Maroney, your host, along with McLean Boyd and Jay Woodson. How are you fellas doing? I'm good. Did you just say we are hope you are doing well? You know, I paused for a second because I think I said that wrong, but I wasn't <laughs> positive. You guys didn't say anything, so um, yeah, I mean, that was great a, job rolling right through it. I mean, you I didn't know, have I'm not the person. To I just tried to it. say it confidently. Um, it was. Yeah, I think I definitely. I think I definitely messed that up because that's why I paused. I'm like, I think I said something wrong there, but I I'm just gonna keep my, it going. I questioned myself for questioning you, but anyway, um, we didn't too much questioning going you know, on. You know, we're not all perfect. 30 seconds and we have a double question. (laughs) We're in. This is going to be a good show. We're in. Um, Questionable. It's always questionable with us. That's a fact. It's always Uh, very questionable with us. But we are back. Uh, We're doing a Tuesday show for you this week as we uh, discuss some golf. Um, What are you guys drinking before we do that? I can... Uh, comment here. I'm, I've cracked into a bottle of uh, Weller's Special Reserve, the, mm. the green label. Um, nothing. It's not like a super expensive bottle, but it's hard to get, and it's it's pretty damn good. I mean, I, I I'm I'm a fan of it. Um, so anytime I crack it up, yeah. I'm always pretty Weller good. Weller's good, very very yeah. good. McLean, what do you have today? I was forced to upgrade this evening. Hmm. Uh, apparently the hotel said they had a big weekend and after two Corona lights and two Corona's, they were suddenly out of Corona products. So I have moved on to Stella Artois. What an upgrade. Wow. 5% alcohol. Uh, it, it comes in a fancy green bottle with a champagne top. Uh, it's very nice. This looks to be a 2022 rendition. Um, brewed. That's all I fucking got. It's a lager. I'm drinking it. <laughs> a champagne top. I was gonna say it's the champagne of beers, but that would be uh, that would be uh, Miller High Life. Miller High Life. High Life. Yeah. Which don't get me wrong. Someone can pop up on me with a High Life, and I'm available. It's a good beer. It's to also really not not it get is. confused with the banquet beer. Course. course no one gets confused with the banquet beer i don't i don't understand why that's even a reference that's, a, that's i just wanted i just gold, wanted to say banquet beer gold can <laughs> it's not even good it's actually decent i like it it's, it's actually pretty decent it's not bad uh, i am it's almost gone because our pre-show chat took so long i can't remember what i'm drinking now a oh, wilderness trail well yeah i just did a zoom fit for jay bottle and bond yeah, yeah jay's uh, yeah. Just club I mean, questions and, took 45 minutes and like they were everyone was so irritated the whole time that i was asking this question like what why, what dude just this is what you need just do it like stop asking questions <laughs> the best part you're just like you're like i don't i don't even play i don't even play anymore well let's get in depth about some clubs you're not gonna fucking use i love it <laughs> but you never know when i'm going you to never play. know you gotta never know god right absolutely and half the battle is talking about clubs i mean that's and see now, do. now he I can need to have a, a nice setting. I don't use them. And now he can hit a bad shot and say, "Fucking McLean gave me a bad fit on that Zoom that <laughs> night." Yeah, <laughs> it's something else he can blame me for. McLean told it. me to buy these. <laughs> Fucking a. <laughs> I need something else I can blame for. I don't blame you for anything. You should. You're you're <laughs> one of the only ones that don't. <laughs> 
Dude, fuck. <laughs> I'm sure every now and again I get Jenkins cussing me for some shit out there too. He's like, fucking McLean. God damn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Your name is used in vain quite often at the foundry. But- it's definitely not used in pleasure, and I'm aware of that. <laughs> no, don't worry. Neither is mine. So that's fucking great. Let's um let's get into some some professional golf. Not our golf, because it's pointless. But uh man, guys, I I'm joining the club. I'm paying the fee. I am joining the Tom Kim fan club. I want to be president. I'm going to run for office. I am in love with Tom Kim. He is the man. So if you didn't watch the Shriners Children's Open, sounds like a junior event in (laughs) Las Vegas this weekend. Tom Kim wins again. He won the Wyndham back in August. Uh, we discussed that a little bit, obviously, when it happened. And then with Mark Brazel um, a couple of weeks ago, he was a, a sponsor's invite. Great, he was, great conversation, if any of you guys have Great not conversation. Heard it. Go listen Please to go it. back and listen to that episode. Tom is 20 years old in three months. He is now the second youngest player to ever win two events on the PGA Tour. He's even he was younger than Tiger. He beat Tiger's record. He's the last one to do it. Uh, Tiger Woods was before he was 21. The most recent one to do it, correct. Um, can you guys name who is the youngest player ever to win two events? Bill Mickelson. Gosh, no, that's... You'll never get this. Ralph Gouldall. I was going to say that. That was my <laughs> next, that was my next <laughs> guess. Too soon. It was, was on the, it was on the tip of my tongue. I remember Mickelson winning when he was at ASU. I figured he won another one quickly. It was a quick... A quick knee-jerk reaction. So, yeah. Ralph Gulab, were those his only two wins? No, uh, Ralph Goodall did, but Gulag, I don't think I don't think he won shit. Whatever. Either way, whoever the hell this guy is. <laughs> Gulash, Gouldolf, whatever. Gouldall, G-U-L-D-A-H-L. So, he apparently didn't win very many, very many events. Um, Members of the media, we are. He won 16 in his career. Jeez. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. Good for good for you, Goulash. And, last, and, Goulash. and two majors. His last win. <laughs> two, majors. two majors. His last win was in the seventies. Sorry, three majors. When was it? When was when, the date of his last win? Oh, I mean, the the guy won in the thirties and the forties. Okay, so the seventies is out of question. Seventies out of question. I'm not sure he was alive in the seventies. Fucking oh. a. R.I.P. Ralph. Um, yeah. yeah, he was like twenty years and two months. But he did win a Masters in 1939, won the U.S. Open in 37 and 38, back-to-back, Jack. All right. Get it, Goulash. <laughs> so, uh, but Tom Kim gets it done, goes bogey-free on the weekend. Or, sorry, bogey-free the entire event. Mm. Last person to do that. Um, shit, I had this in my top of my tongue the other day. Bogey-free for the entire event? The entire event, bogey-free. Last person to do it was JT Poston at the Wyndham in like 2019. God, that is that is unbelievable golf. Yeah. Played. That is unbelievable golf. What, 24 under par, bogey-free, gets it done. And yeah, the kid is, and he's a legit, I mean, you call him a kid. I mean, he's essentially a kid. Every time he talks, it's just, he's just happy. He seems humble. He doesn't seem full of himself. He just seems like he's happy to be there. Every time they show him on the golf course, 
the guy had a smile on his face when he's talking to his caddy, yeah. Joe Scarvin, who I want to talk about a little bit, talking to Patrick Cantley walking down the fairway. He just got a smile on his face and I'm in, I'm in on it. I'm in on Tom Kim. You know, you know what I loved about him and what I love about him and what I loved watching him. And I was, I was kind of sitting there getting a little giddy. We have similar ball speeds. <laughs> he's, a, he's a short hitter and yeah. i like that <laughs> he is a short hitter like, oh 162 off the tee fuck i can do that <laughs> yeah but you can't hit his irons like he does or putt you like, don't he does. Putt like he does <laughs> none of us do he's got good hands around the greens too he hit a couple yeah, pitch shots on sunday you don't um, you don't win golf tournaments at 162 driver speed without a fucking great short game yeah. yeah, I think that the highest I saw him because I was paying attention to. I think the highest I saw his ball speed was one sixty eight. Um, must have been a high toe. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been, but yeah, I mean, he's got. I'm going to say this all the love and respect in my heart because I do love the guy. He's got a little bit of a dainty swing for the now for the PGA Tour, right? I, oh, he's hitting it left to right. Yeah, oh yeah, he has to. Now it's he did the only direction that golf ball moves with that swing. Yeah, he he gets shallow and he swings it left pretty hard. <clears throat> uh, which you could see a little bit of the pressure. You could see a lot on the back nine. He was really rehearsing his backswing. He was checking it over and over and over again. And then you could see a couple instances where his um rotation on the way through slowed down and he hit those a couple pulls. He, he's got to rotate the hell out of it to keep that club going left. Yeah, 100%. To hit, to hit the little peeler. Yeah, he um, can hit a double crosser in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, he definitely can. And he hit, I wouldn't say he hit any double crosses on the back nine. I, he hit I a didn't couple see pulls. any. No, he hit a couple I, I pulls. didn't see any, but he can get that, he can get that club to shut in a hurry um, if he doesn't rotate hard enough because he tries to play that little hold off fade and he tries to hold off the shit out of it. But if his arms outrace that body at all, she's going left in a damn hurry. Yeah. But, yeah, so the question I posed to you guys in the in the pre-show notes, does he need to get further? Does he need to get longer? No. It depends on it depends on what type of game he wants to continuously play. Yeah, if he could if he could oh. gain three to five mile an hour on the club head speed without having to change anything, just doing some speed trials, absolutely. I think that's a, a hundred percent of benefit to his golf game. But to try and make him a 175 plus ball speed guy is going to cause a detriment to the remainder of his game that has made him successful to this point. If he wants to try to gain three to five mile an hour on his driver speed, doing a little bit of speed trials without changing any part of his swing, doing some, some, a little bit of weight work in that, in that swing and doing some of the speed stick, the stack system, anything like that. I support that, but that is keeping in line with the remainder of his golf swing he, he is consistently just increasing his speed slightly without changing any dynamics of his swing if he gets in to start changing the swing to chase speed we will have a very short-term career on the pga tour this is where you find the great players and the good players separate themselves because you've got to know when what you have is good enough versus continuously trying to chase something that is a detriment to the remainder of your game because society or the PGA Tour society says you need to be longer. You have to be longer to be competitive. There are a lot of guys out there that have selected their tournaments and uh, and what's oh, the best way of saying this? Uh, they've surrounded their career with tournaments that they can play 
the best at. There's going to be some events that and some venues that he's not going to be able to potentially win because of his distance, but he can still go out there and be competitive. You know, look at a Kevin Kisner. Kevin Kisner said has one of the greatest sound bites in golf when he said, Hey, what tournament do you he said, Oh, I don't feel like I can win at these venues. Well, why do you still show up? Because they pay pay a hell of a lot of money for 20th place. And that's what Tom Kim needs to embrace. Surround your schedule with tournaments and venues that you can win on and go play in the others where you can be competitive and compete and create a career for yourself. You know, unless he decides to jump to live golf with guaranteed income, we, we can touch that later. Um, he needs to be selective of where he plays on the PGA tour and he needs to surround himself with venues that match up with his game, but to go out and chase distance with, we've seen so many players go down that road and lose the remainder of their game and lose their career for 15 yards of driving distance. makes no sense for a guy that has the undeniable ability to win golf tournaments on a major stage with the game that he has. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I agree. That's my you. take. Yeah, that was a, that was <laughs> that a quick was, take, was a fantastic take. Uh, um, but I agree. I mean, and I, <laughs> and the the simplest response. I mean, I think you're right. I think you need to stick to what you do well and just be really good at, at it. Uh, I think Jeff Jeff Ogilvy has come out in the last couple of years and and he's said kind of the same thing. He's like, I you, you don't need to change what you're doing well. Just keep doing what you do. And just get a little bit better every day, I, but I I agree with you in the sense that like we haven't really seen him. We've only seen him for six months, really, and he's been putting and chipping almost to the point to where you're like this. It's kind of like Jordan Spieth was, you know, five or six years ago when he was making every twenty footer, and we were seeing a little bit of that with him. He's just putting so well, like it's like this is not sustainable. So you're like, what happens when you're not putting that well? Do you miss the cut? Or do you finish 20th? You know, we don't, I, we haven't seen it really yet. So it, it would be, I'm, I'm curious to see when he is maybe a little off of this with his, with his putter, like where does he fall? You know, you look at something like a Dustin Johnson or a Rory, you know, they put, okay, they're middle of the road putters. They're not bad putters by any means. They've got, they usually have good speed, but they just don't make any putts and they still finish in the top 10. Um, Tom Kim, I don't think he's going to be able to finish in the top 10 if he has an average putting week, if he's off with his putter. I, maybe he will never be. I don't know. Maybe he's just got the knack. I don't know. We haven't seen it yet, but I no. do think there is there is a there is a there is a place for him to try to get a little longer. Uh, but I do agree with McLean. Like you don't need to change your swing. You need to do some implement some small, small things to try to, you know, maybe add five miles an hour ball speed, five to seven miles an hour ball speed. And then that's it. Like live with it. And if you get good at it and you you keep pushing a little bit and that's fine, but not at the expense of losing what you do really well. And he's a great ball striker and he's a great putter and he got a great, great. Yeah, hands, you, so you can't you change your swing that. dynamics. Yeah. You can't change yeah. your swing dynamics. Let's keep the swing that you have and let's try to make that a little bit more efficient. Yep. There is the potential of doing some lightweight training that you can develop a little bit more ball speed, but to change your swing to chase distance is going to affect the remainder of your game. And most likely anyone that says, uh, you know, if he goes to a coach, my thoughts is that most players be like, Hey, well, let's, let's get a little draw here. You could probably pick up 10 yards with a draw. There's changing your swing, but yet that changes every iron swing the guy will ever make. And the guy is comfortable hitting this little hold off fade, which we know, 
in history, a lot of players have been very successful hitting a little hold off fade into the green. So he needs to remain doing that. And he needs to do that with the driver. If he can create three to five mile an hour extra speed, fantastic. But that is that is the absolute max. And if he can't, you need to lean back into what, what you've done thus far to make you successful. Because you don't win uh, two events within your first year of being on tour without having a shit ton of talent to back it up. I don't care what the venue is and how far you're hitting it. You are a great player at that point, and you're beating a lot of good players. And I can guarantee you in all of those fields, I don't care what the venue is, there's long hitters. And you're beating those guys strategically. So lean into venues like the Heritage, lean into Harbor Town, lean into some of those shorter venues to where you can go out there and really be successful. And let's go ahead and see what you can do with what's already what's already allowed you to create yourself as a, really a name in the sport. I mean, he's done it quickly. He's not a household name, and that's where I kind of stopped myself. But at the same time, for anyone who's following the sport, we all know who Tom Kim is right now. And he's created this recognition off of the game that he has, and he needs to keep leaning into that. No, and I, I agree. I, I mean, I don't want to see him chase distance. I think he does need to get a little bit longer, but I don't want to see him try to, you know, get to 180 ball speed or anything like that. I think that's absurd. Um but well, the it bad is, part is that he could get there. We just won't know who he is when he does. Potentially, yeah. You know, and, and Jay makes a good point about his putting, and we haven't seen him that much, right? He doesn't have a huge track record. So is he just riding a hut putter for a few months right now? Or is this who he is? Is this is this his putting? Is this how good he is yeah. on the greens and around the greens? We just don't know. We don't have enough of a sample size yet. Like, he didn't qualify – he didn't play enough qualified rounds last year to really rank in anything. So it's kind of hard to see. Now, his his strokes game numbers don't look great really ac- across the board um, on many of these things. But again, there's no rankings either. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I do love the guy's personality. You know, you can tell from his body type. He's not exactly been hitting the gym that much. He looks um, a <laughs> little, little similar to me. And I'm not sure him or I have seen a gym in quite some time. So I don't you know. know that's big on those the Koreans regiment. I mean, they have they have really seen yeah, their good. place that's in the point. game. And we had four Koreans inside the top eight of the golf tournament this week. And if you look at a guy like Sun JM or even some of the other guys out there, they're not and this is not a negative or a knock on them, but they're not necessarily the most physically fit bunch. You know, Sun JM looks like he enjoys a couple of cold beers after the round. And I love that about him. I'd, I'd love to join him for some of them. It might be a language barrier, but we'd have fun nonetheless. <laughs> we could laugh and chuckle. With um, who? Sunjay. I mean, oh, Sunjay, yeah. <laughs> but long story short, the point I'm trying to make is that these guys play golf for the love of the game. They play the shit out of it. That's why you see them play more events historically than what you see elsewhere. And the one thing I will say to the nation of Korea they are producing a shit ton of great golfers, not only on the male side, but on the female side as well. And what they're doing over there and the the culture that they've developed in golf is absolutely incredible. They spend so much money on golf. It's unbelievable. And in my line of work, we, we try to align ourselves with a lot of the Korean communities throughout the markets that we're in because we know how much they support our brand and support the game of golf as, as it is. So at the end of the day, it's not surprising to see the success come out of that country. And like I said, I don't know how long it's been since you've seen four Koreans in the top eight with a smattering of other, you know, Americans and, you know, Europeans, but 
Korea is doing an amazing job with the game of golf. And ultimately, I think we're going to see a lot more uh, come out of there, both on the men's and women's side. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of talked about the women's side as miles ahead in their talent on the on the Korean side um, than the men's side. But it's starting to it's starting to pick up. What do you guys make of? He leaned heavy into Joe Scovran, Ricky Fowler's old caddy, who, um, you know, they part. Ricky and Joe parted ways a few weeks ago, and then he picked up. Tom, I'm not sure if the if the President's Cup was their first event together or not. I think it may have been. I have to double check that, but he seemed like he was relying heavy on Joe Scover. And, and the Golf Channel did a great job of picking up the audio and then not talking over it and letting us hear what Tom and Joe were discussing on a few shots over the weekend. And it, it bordered on slow play a, a couple times on how much they were discussing these shots. But I think him having a veteran caddy that's been around a while has seen a lot. You know, Ricky never won any majors, but he did win a couple big events and and playing a bunch of cup teams. I think that's going to be huge for him. Um, I just hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't just rely on what Joe says. You know what I mean? And and kind of learn on the fly a little bit himself. And maybe... Maybe veto Joe on a call and get it wrong just to kind of have the learning experience kind of thing, if that makes sense. Well, look, I, I'm sure all that's going to happen. It's inevitable and out and or throughout the caddy and player relationship. But at the same time, when you when it comes back down to it, if 50% of your relationship has been there, it's better than zero percent. Yeah. So if you have a guy that has been in that situation, which we know that Ricky's uh, caddy has been in a lot of major situations from, you know, Ricky finished uh, high in a bunch of majors. Yep. He had a bunch of great finishes in majors. He's been a part of Ryder Cup teams, President's Cup teams. You know, this caddy has been there. And while the player has not, the caddy can kind of coach him through because he understands what, what it's like to be in that spotlight. He understands what it's like to be in that, that, um, that situation at the end of a golf tournament or at least he can kind of rely. And I'm sure there's time where he's like, look, you know, I've been here before. Here's what we need to do. You know, I I've worked with Ricky. I've worked with this. And I think Tom can trust that knowing that he has been there, you know, it's not his buddy who's was a college teammate of him and just kind of got kind of lucked into a caddy gig. And the guy's suddenly making four or $500,000 a year because he was friends with the right guy. You know, he has a vet on the bag that has been around a lot of major competition, has been in a lot of uh, in contention situations and major golf events. And long story short, he can lean into that and say, look, Tom, here's where we are. This is what we need to do. And I think Tom can put a lot of that trust in him knowing that he has been there before. Awkward silence. Our second week in a row with awkward silence. What's going on, Jay? You're leaning back. You don't like my Dude, take. I do. I do like it. I, <laughs> I was like, I can't. This, you're right. You're 100. You had him just mesmerized. He yeah. was just in awe of what you a, had to I say. Was a, I was in a McLean moment there. I don't. I'm not sure if that's offensive or not. But okay. <laughs> um. No, I, I. I think you're right. I think it's an interesting development and. <clears throat> Yeah, it can't be anything but positive for him, really, in his his development as he continues to grow and uh, as a professional and and a um, 
yeah, it's it's gonna be fun to watch him. He's just a cool personality, and I hope he doesn't change. And it's uh, no, I agree. But yeah, look, going back to it, I'm a big statistics guy, and if I have to bet on two horses that have never been there versus one half that have in a team of two, I'm always going to take the experience. And I think yeah. that's where he has, he he's done a very good job of putting someone on the bag that has that knowledge, has that experience. And I think Tom will be able to draw off of a lot of that. Yeah. It was cool. Like you kind of mentioned it, uh, the, you know, the, the Koreans playing well, and actually the whole, the whole international president's cup team played really well uh, all week. If you kind of look at it. they faltered a little bit, on on Sunday didn't play as great, but going from Saturday, they were all way up there on the top of the leaderboard. Uh, a whole bunch of them. Bez played well, and Cam Davis was up there for a little bit, and so they kind of maybe get a, a little confidence from a loss just because they competed a little bit maybe better than everyone thought at the Presidents Cup. So yeah, well let's I mean, let's I, go ahead. I would not. No, I was just going to comment kind of what you were saying with with uh, with Tom Kim and like I, I feel like some of the Asian players, they're, they're very regimented, very quiet one because of the language barrier. So again, we've always talked about this on, on the pod that it's, we, we want to watch all of the players. We want to know and learn about all these players so we can kind of support them and figure out where they are and who they are. Um, and that makes it fun for the viewer. So the more they can, the, the more that these players can show their personality, the more people are going to latch onto them. And if you've got, he's, he's a pretty funny kind of witty, witty guy. I mean, for the little bit that he's been interviewed, but he shows a little bit more emotion than most of the the players from the far East, which I think relates a lot mm-hmm. to, to the, the Western world, like the U S viewership, they like to see a little bit more emotion. So him having that, I think, like you said, I mean, you even commented earlier, like you, you're a fan of him because of things like that. So yeah. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for golf. It's a good thing for, um, you know, Asian golf. I mean, cause I mean, these guys are, I mean, obviously they're, they're killing it right now. They're, they're on top of the world. I mean, we all know how well the, the, the ladies are on the LPJ tour, um, you know, from the far East and they're, they're killing it as well, but it's, it's nice to see someone, that that shows a little bit more of that emotion that you can latch on to. It's got a little bit more of a personality because again, it's all comes down to viewership and as fans, like I don't care where you're from. Um, if you what I want to see you as, as a person, not just you hitting a golf ball and looking, you know, like a robot. Cause that's the way everybody is now they're, they all swing the same. They're all beautiful swings and they, you know, hit it close to the hole and they make putts. And it's like, okay, well, who are you? You know, what are you? Yeah. And it's kind of neat to see a little bit more of that. So I think, I think he he could be, you know, again, I don't know if he hits it long enough to be a superstar, but we'll see. Um, Safe, maybe. Yeah. He could so. easily have a uh, Billy Horschel, Kevin Kisner type career. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah, yeah. with his ability to create relationships because of his personality. Mm-hmm. I think you could lean him more into a cleaner Kevin Kisner. You know, and I love kids. I'm that's not a knock on kids. I fucking love kids. The cleaner, more respectful. No, Kevin. just just the more less rednecky. Just the more corporate friendly Kevin Kisner. And yeah. I I love the rednecky Kevin Kisner. Mm-hmm. That's that's me at my core. I fucking love that guy. He's yeah. He's no, but, I could easily from a, go from a corporate sponsorship deal. There they. That's what I'm want, saying. He's got, he's got. They don't want to lock themselves down into one one genre. They want somebody that's more off. Well, exactly. going to Jay's 
going to Jay's point, he speaks almost fluent English and is has like little to no accent. You know, yeah, 100%. He huge. reminds me of Yosh, Jack. Yeah. I mean, Yosh is as half uh, Asian or Japanese, Japanese, Mexican, Mexican. And, and with <laughs> zero accent. Like, speaks he sounds like a, he's a Myrtle Beach redneck at, at <laughs> his heart. If you put him on it, we got to get him on the pod. I saw him a couple of weeks ago in Orlando. It's absolutely a great reunion. Um, but no, we should definitely get him on here. Assistant coach of Coastal Carolina now. He's got a lot of great takes, so many good mini yeah. tour stories. And yeah. you know, Yosh Yosh was always the part of he was the guy that was there that remembered everything, you know, yeah. all the late nights. He he still remembered everything because <laughs> he wasn't one of the big degenerates like us. Yeah. No, what a what a <laughs> classic character. That would be would be good to get him on. He could tell some good stories. So let's let's talk about Cantley. So, you know, the big fish. Um, in the field, plays, contends right through the end. He shot what 60 on Saturday, was on 59 watch there. Had a great duel. He had a couple of early bogeys on Sunday. Great duel, though, with Tom Kim going into the back nine. He birdies 11 and 12. Tom birdies 13, 14. Can we just get to 18? And then. <laughs> Just recapping a little bit, then Cantley birdies 15 16 to tie the lead again. And then we get to 18. If you haven't seen it, he made a, a seven. He hit a three wood off the tee, snipe hooks it, toe hook into the desert, the trees, decides to try to hack it through a bush. It goes about two feet. He takes an unplayable in the rocks in the desert, hits that in the water, drops, and then makes like a 30 footer for a triple to save himself a bunch of money to stay tied second. No, what it saved him was confident. That's what it saved him. That's how you close out as still, hey, just so you know, I'm still the fucking man. It cost him 600 grand. I don't know what that actual number looks like, but I'm telling you it's in the 600 grand range. But at the end of the day, when he made that putt, it was still just like, hey, just in case you guys forgot, I'm still the fucking man. Um, When no one... No one thought he would snipe hook a three wood into the water there. If anything, everyone thought desert. he was going to, mm-hmm. wherever the fuck it was, everyone <laughs> thought he was going to smoke that three wood down the middle, hit it up there, probably have a better chance at making birdie than Tom Kim. I mean, if you're looking at Vegas odds on 18, Cantlin had to be the favorite. Um, but at the end of the day, he did snipe it over there. The decision to hit it out of the rocks was interesting, but he decelled into it. It was it, it was such a tentative stroke, and it made no sense for a veteran player like that. Go ahead and hit it out. I mean, worst case scenario, I'm texting Mike while this is happening. I'm like, worst case scenario, he hits it hard, and he hits it in that fairway bunker across and has 170 in um, out of a fairway bunker, which we've seen a guy with that skill level get up and down from that location a million times. So I'm still baffled to why he was so tentative trying to hit it out. It seemed to me that he was – trying to protect yardage. He was trying to just chip it out to a perfect yardage versus just getting it out of there, which again is a, a, a mistake a rookie would make, but then to drop it in there, fat it in the water. I mean, it was, it was a very difficult situation to watch. I mean, you felt bad for him. Matt Neesmith is over there. had to be fucking giddy um, because he's like, I'm getting ready to cash in next 50 on this. And he did. Uh, good for him. I mean, he, he made his par, got out of there, and tied Cantlay for a T2 versus a solo three. So it made a big difference. But, Mike, it looks like you already have that statistic. What did Cantlay lose? Well, so 
he ended up making seven hundred and twelve thousand. Tyen Neesmith. So, what that, Tom can make one four four, one point four four, roughly six thousand, roughly six hundred. Uh, yeah, wouldn't have been. Well, I guess it depends on what if he would have won. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, he could have doubled it. You know, seven hundred thousand yeah. if he would have won the thing. You know, so I I go. I don't know what his right decision was. In all honesty. You know, Aaron Oberholzer, Golf Channel again did a great job. They actually showed Oberholzer walking up to the golf ball. He yeah, was the on-court reporter. And it took Oberholzer like five seconds of looking at the lie to say, oh, yeah, this is an unplayable. Like, it was like, to him, it was like immediate, he needs to drop this. Like, he can't hit this thing. Patrick Cantlay walks up. They did a great job of showing him. He walks up and almost immediately starts like looking what he was going to try to do to hit it back to the fairway and hit it through this bush. He almost never thought the caddy never definitely never brought up. Hey, let's take a drop. This is a bad idea. The caddy's already given him a yardage. Like, Hey, if you hit it at this point of the fairway, you're going to have about a buck 60 in. So and, and if you think that, you can that, get that, to that, the back of the ball, like you said, he, he made a swing that was going to be like a normal 30, 40 yard pitch shot swing. When not through a bush, not through a bush, you need to be swinging at that like, like you're hitting it a hundred yards. And he was just made a normal 30 or 40 yard pitch shot swing. Well, that's that's where I think that the, you, you talked about this earlier, McLean, like the, having you're talking about Tom Kim and caddy. He's like having a caddy that you, you, your goals are aligned. Obviously, you want to accomplish the same thing, but you you look at things differently. So it's not that you. You, you you both agree on the main goal, but the way to get there, you look at them differently. And that's hard to find. Like, you know, Tiger Woods and Steve, Stevie, their personalities were different, but they both wanted to win. So that was a way to, to kind of balance everything out, you know, and Phil Mickelson and Bones. You know, like, you look at all these great caddies and these great players, like, they all had this, they, they all had the same goal. But the way that they got there, their personalities were different. So that's what kind of balanced everything out, you know. And it sounds like if you if you get a caddy that if you're too much alike, you're like, yeah, let's go for it. You got this. Let's do this. Let's bl- blast it through the bush. And it's like, okay, is that is that the best is that the best play here? Are you really giving me the best advice? You know, and I, I've used this you know scenario a bunch. You know, my wife has caddied for me. I don't I don't know fifty times, and she's not a golfer. She. She can be if she wants to be. She's a great athlete, but um, I would. I'm I'm kind of that Arnold Palmer, Phil Nicholson. All right, I got this. I can hit this. You know, whatever. Let's do it. Let's give it a go. And I remember one specifically one uh, situation. She was caddying. I was in the right right rough under a, a tree, and I was it was part five, and I had a good lie out of the rough, but I had to cut it around the tree under the. Tr- tree but carry the water it was 240 yard carry um and i was like i was playing well so you know when you're playing well you're like i was like i got this like i was like i just hit it's a good lie i just hit this little low bleeder just smash it and just hit a little cutter out of the out of the rough underneath the tree cut it to the the back right pin 240 and let's get up and down or, or make eagle and i like i'm talking this through with aaron and she looks at me and she's like that seems really, really hard. Like that seems like a really <laughs> hard shot. And that's all she said. And I was just like, 
you know, you take a step back and you're like, you know, cause you're just in go mode, you know, but, and I'm like, you're, you're right. That this is, this is, I mean, I was close to the lead. I was like, this is stupid. What am I doing? Like, this is a, I can still make birdie just hitting it out to the middle of the fairway and wedging it in. Yeah. Like, and, and I take that, that eliminate all the risk of a, of, you know, bogey double or triple. So I know this is a little bit different with, with Patrick Cantley, but it's almost like he was in a position where it was like, he needed a caddy just to be like, Hey, all right, if you, if you're going to hit it through this bush, the main goal is to get it through the bush and get it out so you can hit a wedge in. But if you can't get it, through yeah. the bush, let's go a different route. You know, let's like the right be rough is better than fucking still in the bush. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's like laying up. If like Sam Snead always said, if you're going to lay up, freaking lay, lay up. up. Like, don't like, don't try to get it right up to the edge and take the risk of hitting it in the water. Lay up. Like what's, what's 15 yards further back. My dad used yeah, to go shot in. You know, his, I mean, his caddy said nothing to him, like almost nothing. Like he just kind of listened and then was like, oh, yeah, well, if you hit it over here, you're going to have 160. And he did not did not say much. And in the moment, I had texted you guys awful decision to try to hit it through that bush. I just thought he should have taken an unplayable in the moment. But then once he hit it and then the rules official came over and then he did take the uh, the unplayable. That was a bad lie he got. I mean, it's rocky. It's sandy. The ball sat down a little bit. It was. I didn't realize how far above his feet the ball was going to be. Yeah. So it wasn't like an obvious, like, oh, yeah, here's just like some flat sand. Let me just drop it here and hit on the green kind of thing and try to make a four that way. Yeah. He just didn't, so, do, he didn't do a great job with the act, executing the actual uh, shot. Ex- yeah, the it might have been the only good. option he had to stay in the golf tournament because I mean, he, how he, sure. he did take the unplayable drop it in the same spot and hit it in the water. So yeah. he kind of proved how hard that was. So, or just don't hit this three wood in the desert too, especially when you're laying back with the three wood, don't snipe it toe hook it into the desert. But I could have used JT Poston um, doing that. BR DraftKings. <laughs> I just needed one bogey from him. One bogey on 18, and he didn't do it. But I got a bogey from Tom, Ho- Tom Hoagie, which cost he, me. He, he missed you a bunch of putts coming down the back nine there. Gosh, he did. He did make birdie on 18, which kind of made it even closer. But he did bogey 17. So, But anyway. And he missed a short birdie putt on 16, I believe, yeah. par five. Come on, Hoagie. <laughs> Killed me. And then McLean, McLean, for all the listeners, McLean won again in our DraftKings by two points. The sandwich man, Hoagie, cost you. Hoagie. Never picking him again. After this week, maybe. I don't know. Is he playing <laughs> this week? Uh, so, I'm not sure if Hoagie's. I think he actually, I think he is in the field. He is playing. He is yeah. Playing. So, but yeah, I don't know. It, I'm not worried about Cantley with that collapse. It is what it is for him. Just a kind of a bad decision in the moment. It's not like something I think is going to, going to linger with him long-term, but um yeah anything else on the shriners children's open no miss justin timberlake <laughs> did you did you i made I, I made that up okay i think he used to be involved in this event some form. Yeah, it used to be called the justin timberlake shriners was it yeah. really yeah yeah oh yeah oh god no this is well all right i'm just gonna avoid that topic <laughs> My wife would be all over that topic. Yeah, I was about to say my my Aaron used to watch this this golf tournament because they'd always show him one there, but <laughs> he's not there anymore. So. Not there anymore. No. 
So do we want to get into um, this week's weekly Mina tour update? Uh, Premier golf tour. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Live, live golf tour. No, it's, it's now a middle Eastern Northern, Northern African developmental tour. So they're telling us. Well, I saw that acronym and I didn't know what the fuck it stood for. So if you guys weren't paying attention, our listeners at the earlier part of the week, I think it was Wednesday. This came out. Live created, created, excuse me, a strategic alliance. Interesting choice of words there with the Mina tour, which no one but my assistant has ever fucking heard of. And my assistant Adam only made knows that up. He didn't know what the fuck it was. No, it wasn't Adam. And my assistant Tyler actually applied to the Mina tour a few years ago. Some obscure. Say it again. Say the acronym Middle I East. I don't know Tyler, so I'm not going to go in on that. It's the Mina tour. M E N A. It's the Middle East and North Africa developmental tour. Wow. Does that lead to the Asian tour or does that lead to the... There used to be... Well, so here's the thing. It hasn't hosted an official event since uh, before the pandemic. Mm. It is a defunct tour that, based off a report from the Fire Pit Collective, cannot pay, still owes people thousands and thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars from events back in 2019 and 2020. And there's a lot of these stories of these shitty mini tours out there that yeah, can't we've pay. had those talks on here jay and i have yeah that can't pay the bills and so they haven't had they had and they kind of co-sanctioned one a couple of events with the asian tour developmental tour uh, this year or before but they really haven't had their own event in quite some time two two and a half years three years almost if almost. the tournament director shows up in a range Rover, you need to be worried about your <laughs> prize yeah. fund yeah exactly <laughs> that's like that's like going to church when the the pastor pulls in, we don't have enough time for that on this podcast. We need a tie. We don't have enough time for this on this podcast. Man, did that? Saying when I lived in Charlotte, they have these mega churches, and it's like, wait a second, I think the pastor just showed up in a Rolls Royce. Did God give him that? Yeah, God paid for that. That's come on, man. Thousand dollar a month. Payment on that, but made by that God. Thousand that thirty five hundred thousand dollars a month. That won't even get you an S class. Uh, whatever. Thousand dollars a month's a Tahoe. God, fucking cars are expensive now, which is absurd. Oh, it's ridiculous. New Tahoe is seventy five grand. Stupid. Or not even a loaded version. Just stupid. eighty eighty five for a loaded Tahoe these days. So let's let's get back into. <laughs> Not sure how we got on priests and uh, cars, but we did. So, welcome to the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast, Rabbit Hole Productions, the the Mina Tour. So, Live Golf, in their ever desperation to get world golf ranking points for their players, creates a strategic alliance with the Mina Tour. Mina sounds like a Las Vegas hooker. I'm just saying. I think Mina is actually the name of one of the characters in the movie Sing, the animated movie Sing. And I only know that because I have two young girls, but there's definitely a character named Mina. I think it's the elephant. She's got a great voice. So this Mina is a defunct developmental tour that is 
customary to playing 54 whole events. Also, it's come out the commissioner is a good buddy of Greg Norman. So he's definitely riding around in a Range Rover. So they come out, they announce the strategic alliance and say, basically tell everyone they're getting world ranking points because this tour receives world ranking points when it played. Now, it, this tour was developed in 2011, did not get world ranking points till 2016. So they assumed by being a part of this tour that they were going to get world ranking points. The MENA tour puts out this press release and they put out a tournament schedule with random events that don't have a venue. Some of them don't even have dates. Some of them have a $20 million purse. The others, their limited series has a $20 million purse. The other events have a $75,000 purse. And they're trying to play it off basically as their own tour when it's just the live tour. And they have these limited series events and they have this nuanced player category of who gets into these things. And one of the categories is like, oh, well, if you were the uh, NCAA champion since 2021, which is one guy, Turk Pettit, right? They were creating these categories for people to qualify for these limits just based off of who was a live golfer. So they apparently had told all of their players that they were getting points because who actually kind of broke this news was Jenna Sims, Brooks Kepka's girlfriend, or sorry, wife now. She posted on her Instagram story a picture at the party of all the players. It's congratulations to these guys getting finally getting world ranking points. Big fan of her Instagram. Yeah, it's a great Instagram. I'm a big fan of the female form. Um. And so then the news comes out, this press release comes out that they've created a strategic alliance and, and they think they're getting world ranking points on Wednesday. The tournament starts on Friday. The world rankings then come out and say, no, sorry, we're not giving you points for this. We still have to, you know, you haven't given us proper time to see what's going on here. And they're just trying to find a loophole to get some world ranking points through this basically defunct tour and now of course they're throwing their whole hissy fit and just like they do they just cry and whine and moan about not getting world ranking points and it's just like get over it guys like the system that's created and i'm gonna go on my mass hole minute right now for bryson dechambeau (laughs) there we go so bryson dechambeau let me see if i can pull up his quotes he did a press conference actually with brooks kepka how cute is that Huh? I'm sure they had a milkshake and two straws after because they're a family out there on the live golf tour now. They're all a family. They're all happy and they smile and they <laughs> they skip and they sing kumbaya together out there. So Bryson's quote is, quote, they're delaying the inevitable. We've hit every mark in their criteria. So for us not to get points is kind of crazy with having at least, I believe, we have the top players in the world. Not all of them, but we certainly believe there's enough that are the top fi- that are in the top fifty that we we deserve getting world ranking points. Uh, da, 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 da. He keeps going on. Uh, when they keep holding it back, they're going to just keep playing a waiting game where we're going to keep dropping down in the rankings to where our points won't even matter. That's what they're trying to accomplish, and I hope that people can see 
right through that rather than believe the lies they've been told. From my perspective, I think we deserve points. Dude, you just fucking lied to everyone when you said we've hit every mark in their criteria when you actually miss almost every mark in their criteria. You hit like two of the 12 criteria that the World Golf Rankings has established to be a recognized tour to get points. The system was created in 1986. The system was not created to prevent live golf from getting points. This is the system. You may not like the system. Greg Norman, live golf. They may not like the system. That's part of professional golf to get these world ranking points. Then fine, do your own fucking thing and go away. If you want to be like the rest of professional golf, this is a system that's creative and you do not hit every mark in their criteria. And the people that are lying the most is the shit that's coming out of your mouth. Bryson DeChambeau, your mouth, Greg Norman, just shut the fuck up and go away. <laughs> uh, I right. mean, yeah. so, I mean, where do we go here? Do we, well, do we want to dive it's into It's quite simple. This? It's quite simple. I mean, Mike, I don't disagree with you. When you look at putting facts to facts, but he got it nailed on the back side of that playing devil's advocate sure. as I love to is the world golf ranking system flawed without question. It's not perfect. They've made it a lot better now. Yeah. So uh, how I, many, yeah. Go ahead. how Go ahead many play. great players do we need to have organized at one event to recognize it as one that deserve deserves world ranking points i don't disagree with you that they have not approached this necessarily the best way they're trying to backdoor their way in i get it you're not wrong but at the end of the day when we look at ranking the world's best golfers we have to take into consideration where the world's best golfers choose to play i think we have to recognize that a guy like Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, um, Cameron Smith. They are some of the world's best golfers. How we choose to weight the tournaments that they play in is a different story. Sure. I mean, how many- I'm not saying that I'm not saying that the strength of the field is equivalent to a PJ tour event. I'm not necessarily saying that they deserve the exact same amount of points. I get you for a, 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 a high finish, but I do think there needs to be some recognition to the fact that at this point now playing a total neutral situation, or I'm sorry, standing in a totally neutral standpoint with this argument is that when we have a certain amount of top players playing in a certain event, especially to the point that Liv has has garnered, we need to recognize it to some facet. I, I don't know what that looks like. I do agree that it needs to be weighted differently. I think it definitely needs to be weighted differently towards the top than it does towards the bottom of a PGA Tour event. I think finishing 35th at a PGA Tour event is much stronger than finishing 35th at a Liv Golf event. I think it needs to be weighted appropriately. But I do think still winning and finishing top five in a Liv Tour event with the strength of field that they have deserves some recognition as well. 
Okay, so here's well, I mean, here's look, my look, thing, real real fast. On, I want to rebut. Let me just say one thing. One thing before you get, go in the the hero hero world challenge. How many guys play in this event? Less than they they should not get world ranking points. They do, though. but do they? I know, That's but they also. Point. But guys, they also. But if they're going like to allow that, what what are we not got points? They also went like forever before they got points. Until Liv, they Liv out. wants Liv wants golf wants points immediately when they say you need to be an established tour for a year. But until they figured out that hey, I'm, I'm accumulating some of the best players in the world, that's why they started giving. Well, then let's then let's, let's let's give, let's give points to the Seminole pro, pro member. Then, the Seminole yeah, pro should. member has a better field than the Live Golf. So let's let's give points to the Seminole pro member. They should. It's not a professional event that's recognized by a major governing body. Well, neither is Live. But uh, I don't. It I'm, isn't. I'm not it isn't. It isn't. World ranking points for playing in that Seminole Pro Am. I mean, hey, if, if you're going to give it to the Hero World Challenge, I mean, they're not affiliated with any tour. You know, like, hey, they're you're, they're giving points there. Why would they not give points here? It's about like a, a, similar to what McLean said. It's about where are the best players playing together? Um, and if you've got some of the top players playing together, they should get world rank points. You, you you get them at the 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 Hero World Challenge. Um, and you should get them at any other event that that you, you're accumulating some of the best players playing together. And yeah, I but, get that that's not exactly the way that the parameters are set up. But if you look at some of the events that have awarded world ranking points, then the Live Golf Tour is no different. It, now deciding how many points they should get, yes, that's that's definitely an argument that that needs to be settled. But they should get something. They should get something. Well, here's the other thing that I so, don't like, and I've said this a million times. So. This guy, Chikara, right? This young kid wins this week. No one watched it because it was on at 2 o'clock in the morning. It was on the middle of the night in, in Bangkok. This young kid. And I've said this a million times, and this is one of my biggest holdups with the Live Golf Tour. There's no qualification. This kid was given a spot. It's invite only. Do you he think did, after his performance, he wasn't deserving? He did not earn his spot in the event or on the tour because of his acuity. What about a, a young kid that golfer? gets a sponsor exemption to the PGA tour and goes out and wins? Is he not deserving because a sponsor gave him a spot? I, I, he, he is given this spot based off of his college. He did not earn the his same way the sponsors tour. exemptions work in the, on the PGA tour. Yeah. How many times a sponsors exemption wins a golf tournament? That, that's irrelevant. It's hard. It's irrelevant. It's, it's irrelevant hard. because it's much harder to win than a three. I'm not disagreeing with that, but at the guys. same time, at the same time, there are spots that are given to the top collegiate players every year on the PGA tour. And they're deserving of those spots because of their career that they created. Uh, I can promise you. He, he's feeling pretty damn good about his decision. To I, go I get over that. There right I understand now. that. It's an but, amazing but amount of all money. I'm for saying, he basically all won $5 saying, million dollars this weekend. Exactly right. And you can't fault him for taking that opportunity and go over there and cashing in on it. He had an opportunity to also take PJ tour sponsors exemption. I, I can guarantee that because of his collegiate career, he chose to go this route because monetarily it benefited him more. And it obviously has proven at this point to have done so. So at the end of the day, we understand that sponsors exemptions exist, but this is no different in my eyes. This is an opportunity. It's a whole he, spot on a tour. He's guaranteed. We don't, but we don't know that. We don't know what his contract looks like. We've seen a bunch of players go out there, and especially some of the younger collegiate stars. Uh, collegiate stars. James Piot's no longer out there. Yes, he is. Uh, who was it? David Puig. Puig. Yeah, got, he, it was he, Piot or Puig. Puig. One Puig's of the two. I might. I, I get them. I get them confused. But Puig comes from a similar background, and he's no longer out there. 
So you can't say he's been given a spot because it is and it isn't. Well, yeah, the other thing is we, there's you no transparency. We don't know that's, who's on this tour for how long. Not is it disagreeing. One league? Is it three not weeks? disagreeing. Yeah. No, like, what, what is same this? Thing, like, what are we doing? Same here? thing when you're playing on sponsors exemptions on the PGA tour, though. Yeah, Nothing but you understand guaranteed. that. You understand you're allowed seven hundred. You understand what the categories 100%. are. Hundred percent. But for him, are. there's not that big a difference as it is with other players. It's not that big a difference for what it is with established players that are getting guaranteed contracts. I don't think he got one. He went out there and capitalized on an opportunity just the way he would have done on the PGA Tour sponsors exemption. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's, there's no question that they, they still don't. They have to work out some of these kinks. I mean, they're 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 not as established. They don't have some of these these procedures uh, set in place like the PGA Tour, who's been around for 50 years. I mean, no question. Um, I, I totally would agree, but I, I, if the fact of the matter, in, in terms of back to the main point, was awarding world ranking points. They, they definitely, I, I, I think when you when you put together a tournament that has that level, the, the, or that level of player uh, playing, they should they should get world ranking points. Um, again, for some of these the smaller events that are not full field events, we still give world ranking points. WGC events. Hero World Challenge. What about what about Asian Tour events that get yeah. world ranking points? Would you, Mike, argue that the Asian Tour has has put out a better field than what the current Live Golf Tour? No, they haven't. Out? But but the World Golf Rankings has now just fixed that. They're the points that they're getting now on the on the DP World Tour and the Asian Tour probably hurt the most with the new system that changed in August because they're getting minuscule amount of points. So what was happening with these bigger tours? Because so the Asian tour, wait, 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 let me finish my point. The Asian, the Asian tour and the DP world tour, because they're part of the federation, they were getting more points international tours. Should've. So they were part of the, the association that gives out official world golf rankings. There was a minimum divisor. And I'm not going to get into the formula that was used, but there's basically a minimum. You could go down, but so much. You could have the worst field in the world, but on those tours, you were going to get X amount for the winner, regardless of how bad it was. Now, that divisor has now been eliminated. And so the winners of some of these events have gone down even more, and it's minuscule. So I do believe Liv should get points if they can kind of meet in the middle ground somewhere though, but they're not, that's the thing. They're not, they just think they can just show up and say, Oh, well, you guys have been doing this for X amount of years, but we're so good. We're going to do it. We're going to create new rules just for us because we're special. No, it doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. There Now there's a r- rumors going around that they're going to institute a cut this weekend. They're playing in the fenced in the, the walled in course, Royal Greens and Jeddah behind the, the walls for the uh, crown prince this week in Saudi Arabia. They're going to institute a cut is the rumor. You know what the cut is? Three guys. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, if this is your way to try to like, hey, look, we're going to check a box with the, with the official world golf rankings and yeah, say we have a cut. It. And, and say we're gonna cut three guys. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, just go away so and do your own thing. Be, it just needs to be based off a of strength of field, and you need to have it weighted due to the tournament format. 
and understand that it's going to be weighted differently than PGA tour events are. It's a different format. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way you have to approach this. I I don't think a a cut like that doesn't sound like it's worth a shit. And I'll be the first one to tell you, don't care which, where my allegiance is lying. But at the end of the day, they do deserve world ranking points. There are enough top players now playing at, at these events to where they're deserving of. There's not one person on here that's going to, I don't think any of us are going to deny, deny the fact that Patrick Reed, Cameron Smith, Dustin I get that. Johnson, I understand those guys. They're, they're are, good. All they're I'm saying is that they're, they're top players. All I'm saying, Mike, is that they are top players. I understand that. They I'm can not going to argue that they're they not. Can compete, they can compete anywhere. Um, they've chosen here. And because now that we have this conglomerate of quality players at one venue, we need to look at whether or not they're deserving. It's just I, hard. I think they are. It's just I, hard to quantify because it's a different format than we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's hard to quantify what does winning a live event mean? Does that is that equal fifth place on a PJ Tour event? Is that 10th place? Where does that well, stack up? And I think that's part I of what the official golf world official world rankings is like we're trying they're trying to figure out like well we haven't seen anything like this. We're trying to figure out how how valuable is that win in points? Sure. What should be rewarded yeah, but- in that? But then live is just whining and crying and it's just like they're not going well, about it in any of the right, right. ways. I well, mean, I, 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 let's, here, let's be honest. I mean, the, the whining and crying is coming from the, the people that you would expect to come from. But there are people on that tour, like a Mark Leishman. The guys are like, hey, you know, and, and if you if someone were to go interview Mark Leishman and, and, and get his take on why they deserve to get world ranking points, uh, which I'm sure he would give an educated answer and not give uh, a, a a Bryson DeChambeau whiny answer as to why uh, uh, overinflated answer. So, uh, so to speak as to why they should be getting so many rank, world ranking points. And I, to your point, Mikey, like you're right. Like, the, you, Hey, live, you're not established yet. Uh, if you want to be established and you want to earn these ra- world ranking points, give us the facts as to why don't come, don't come at us with uh, this, you know, backhanded, you know, you know, comment or the, the ideas that you've pulled out of the back of your ass, you know, like j- give us some reasons as to why and come at it with a very political, you know, organized view as to why you feel you should, should get these world ranking points. And then, then let's build from there. So and that the, the problem is that they don't have a good leader and I, and I'm, I'm not trying to throw Greg Norman on the bus, but his, his entire goal through this whole process has been to disrupt and I understand that I, I, there's a, there is a place for that. So I'm not, I, while I'm not like a, I, I don't hate Greg Norman. I don't love Greg Norman. He's kind of like in the middle for me uh, well, because I, I, it's, but, but let me finish. So I, I, I again, I, I just don't think that they've got somebody who's very educated in terms of, and, and can understand the logistics of running a tour and can, can speak from a political sense to uh, give their point of view without coming across as an asshole. So it, it, that's, that's the one negative that, that the live tour has is that Greg Norman is, has pissed a, too many people off to where no matter what he says, even if he's making a good point, people don't want to listen to it. And I feel like, I do feel like Mike, you, you're at the point now where you're, you, he's, he's been such an asshole. You're like, I don't care what you say, dude, I don't like you. Even if you make a good point, I don't like you. And that's fair. Um, and I, but I think if they could get somebody else in there that can come in, that's a little bit more reasonable that can say, Hey, look, this is, this is where we are. This is what we're trying to do. 
Um, this is what we stand for. This is where we want to go. Here's some direction. Here's some, this is some validation for what we're doing. And I think some people who are on the fence can be like, Hey, you know what? I love the PGA tour. Cause I like watching golf and I like watching the best players play. You guys are, are you obviously have amassed a good group of players and I get what you're trying to do. Okay. I'll give it a shot. I'll watch because you, you're coming, you're coming at, uh, at this thing with a reasonable point of view. And I don't think that Greg Norman is that guy. I'll be honest. And that, that's, I know we jumped, I jumped a couple of steps ahead, step, steps ahead because we're talking about world ranking points, but I don't feel like Greg Norman is doing the live golf tour any favors right now and helping that. Well, and that's, so I think this is my take on this, this, this recent flurry of antics from them as far as using this Mina tour and now this for cock to cut, they're going to, they're going to try to enact. It reeks of desperation because I think Norman's taking some heat from the players internally because he flat out boldface lied to these guys and said, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. You guys are getting world ranking points. It's not going to be an issue. And I think some of these guys are like, oh, shit, the end of the year is right around the corner. And a lot of these a lot of these majors use the world ranking points for their qualifications at the end of the year. And I just keep seeing myself fall further and further down. And when I signed this contract, Greg Norman told me, that I was going to get world ranking points and it wasn't going to be an issue. Just like he told me I couldn't get banned from the PGA tour, which was also a lie. And we have text messages that mm-hmm. actually states that Greg Norman telling Sergio Garcia that he cannot get banned. Um, and I think Norman's like, Oh fuck. So he calls his buddy at the Mina tour and says, Hey, let's just figure this out. Let's do that. Or they want to cut. We're going to give him a cut, but we're just going to cut three guys. Like, come on. Now, like, what are we doing? If you're going to try to enact stuff that is going to get you that the yeah. World Golf Rankings is asking, then do it. If not, and you don't want to be a part of the system and you think you have the right system, then go and do your thing. No one's stopping you. Just go and do your thing and get out of our face. So. All right. Anyways, the point I wanted to make a few minutes ago is that the World Ranking System absolutely has an algorithm. The same way they use it versus the top PGA Tour events versus the John Deere Classic and the Barbasol. They know. If oh, I know they that. Yeah, they absolutely a certain do. number of quality players based off of their world golf ranking or whatever metric that they decide to use, that they can interpret a strength of field and they can award ranking points based off of that. Again, I think the Lib Tour should be weighted differently than a normal tour event because of the strength of field and how much top weighted it is. But at the end of the day, that algorithm does exist. It's not that they don't know how to do that or or, or, or the, don't have the ability to do that. They 100% do. They do it every fucking week. So the way they're doing it now, the new system is they're actually rating every player in the field. On the exact qualifications of that, I don't know. And that actually might be why, because there's some obscure guys on the live tour that have no, especially professional data to go off of. They don't know, well, is this guy any good or is he not? Mm. He just came out of college. Like we don't, we don't know. Cause we've seen plenty of college stars fail and you never hear from him ever again. It's not unheard of for a guy to be a top stud in, in college and then can't make it through the mini tours. Jay, you, I'm sure you've played with a million of them mm-hmm. that yeah. are all, all Americans at Florida or Texas or whoever, and then they you never hear from them. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it, it, they probably trying to figure out, well, is this guy any good? If all we have is like James Piot, he never made a cut in his professional career after he won the USAM. He had a terrible year, his senior year at Michigan State. 
and then turns pro, never made a professional cut in his life and joins Live. So they're like, well, how fucking good is this guy? Really? I didn't realize that he never made a single ne- cut. I- I'll double check that, but I'm pretty sure I read that he had never made a single cut in his professional career once he turned pro. In a sanctioned sanctioned event or just in a in it? I mean, it was like a yeah, I don't know exactly if it we're talking Hooters tour or, or what we're talking about. Yeah. Um but that's that's I mean I mean, there's something to be said for that. That's that's kind of crazy, but um, and so yeah, they they do rate the official golf. They rate all the players in the field, which is now hurting the Asian Tour. Where before, I think we've discussed this before, they were just rating how many of the top 200 in the world you yeah. had in your field. So if you have 10 of the top 200, you're going to get a much higher rating. But if yeah. the rest of the guys are 1,000 or beyond, now that actually affects you. The whole depth of your field actually which, affects. Which is which is right. That's which is right, and that they're they're yeah. getting it. They're and getting that's why it right the, now. the Corn Ferry Tour should be ranked equal to or almost equal to the DP World Tour. I mean, I would say that the DP World Tour is the second best tour in, in the world. And the Corn Ferry Tour is a really, really, really close second. I, in some fields, maybe better. I mean, Yeah, because some I, of those I, fields I, are going to have the, the Roms and the Rory's and all those all, guys. Oh, exactly. So that's what's going to boost boost them up. But if you take, I'd say uh, half of the half of the tournaments, uh, if you compared the full schedule of on the on the Corn Ferry Tour versus the half of the field, uh, half half of the tournaments on the DP World Tour that don't involve you know these top players because they're playing the PGA Tour, that the, the Corn Ferry Tour events are 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 deeper, way deeper than the DP Tour. I mean, you see it all the time, and we do DraftKings, and you look down these lists, and you see this guy. He's like, I mean, Tommy Fleetwood was Tommy Fleetwood was the king of this. Now I know that he's he's worked his way up and and played well, but for a while there, he would finish in the top ten in every event on the DP World Tour, and then he'd come play PJ Tour, and he missed the cut, or he'd finish fiftieth. And you're like, wait, how's it? Wait a second, how's this guy finish fiftieth every week? That he come, comes over to the PJ Tour, but he hasn't finished outside of the top ten on the DP World Tour. Uh, in like seven or eight events, like that, there's something that the, the disparity is not, it's not equal there. So again, I do think that they're, they're working to get it right, which again, back to our, our main objective here, this thing is the, the wheels are in motion. The, 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 the brains of all these smart people and all these tours are working to try to make this a better product for everybody. Is it there yet? No. It's not there yet, but is it working in the right direction? I think it is. So I'm I'm happy with it. I'm happy with what we're doing. We, I say we, but I'm happy with I'm happy with the golf world and where it's going. Is it where we want to be? Not yet, but I do think it's going to be better in the long run. So I'm looking up a random week on this past season. So uh let's not do that. No, that's FedEx Cup playoffs. I'm gonna to go to just kind of a random. Random week here and use a normal middle tier. All right. So the yeah. Travelers Championship. There you go. That, that's kind of in the middle. Yeah. Okay. So that week, their field rating, however they get there, is 405. That's the PGA Tour Travelers. Yep. The Oh, this is a bad one. Oh, no, that's because they didn't change it. 
damn it. Sorry. I'm going to, we're, we're going to scrap this. I forgot that they had changed it. I'm like, that rating doesn't make any sense. That's because they changed it after that. It was in August. So anyways, there was a but, week. Uh, I remember seeing that the corn Ferry event was greater than, if not equal to the DP world tour um, from a points standpoint in a given week, right after they had, they had changed it. And I should have looked this up ahead of this conversation, but it's I there. Didn't. I it, didn't. We'll find it. We'll, we'll, we'll come it. back so, in, a, in, in the next spot and we'll have some of that, the, some of those details, but um, anyway, so that's, that's, that's the uh, studio 54 Mina golf tour, your Mina golf tour update <laughs> for this week. Uh, in case you're wondering, DJ already has won the individual championship. He's feeling pretty good right now. Uh, he's always feeling good. He's DJ. And he doesn't feel anything. Well, knocking back 50 mil in a year has got to feel pretty fucking good. Got to be you the know, richest it, year it, in golf outside of Tiger. I mean, it is, it's, it's incredible how, you know, how much money he's won. He's, he somehow uh, found, a, found his way onto the most successful and most talented team other than Pat Perez, obviously, you know, the fireballs won this week though. Four races got taken down this week. Podium, but, but I mean, even still, like, I mean, he's made, gosh, he's made. Do y'all think there was some organization to that? I mean, I'm just saying, do you you feel like the guys, Hey guys, look, Hey, you're, you're kind of diminishing our product here by winning every fucking week. Yeah. Maybe ask him to to tank for a week. He asked the other three guys, Hey, can y'all party like DJ for a week? And we guys, Can you guys all play like Pat Perez a little more and then forces right. won't win? Hang out with Pat and DJ after hours and see if your games can all match. <laughs> if you can if you can keep keep up. Um, but I, I, the the minimums for, for these for these for the tour events there for the live golf, which is obviously it's not a tour yet, but moving forward, I mean they're looking to go to 14, 16, 18 events uh, minimum. And these guys have to play every event. Like I'm curious to see, like, what's the penalty for not playing in an event? Like I haven't been, have you seen any, I haven't seen anything. No. Cause they won't show you the contracts. They won't show you the contracts, but like if, if a player is, is signed a contract with the live golf tour, the soon to be tour. And the, next year they come up with 18 events and there's, they say, Hey, you have to play in all 18, 18 of these events. And if you miss one, what's the penalty, you know, what's the penalty for a guy to miss, miss a tour event. I mean, I'm curious to see, whereas before when you were a true independent contractor, um, not in no contract with the PJ tour, you could play in whatever you wanted. In a sense, they, there were some, there were still some, some rules. You had to play 15. Relations. Yeah, yeah, you had to play as a member of the tour. You had to play in 15. And if you played in another tour event or another event, um, you had to get a waiver. Obviously, we've, we've gone over this. But, you know, where where do they draw that line? You know, the Live Golf Tour, like, wh- what's that cutoff? Like, you know, hey, do you get three passes? Do you get zero passes? Do you have I get, to I bet every you get single zero. event? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, that's curious. I'm curious to see, you know. The judge. Yeah, he's got a wedding or his son or daughter is graduating from college. Like, hey, I can't play this week. Hey, nope, you can't play. If you don't play, that's it. We're going to find you and we're going to slit your throat. I mean, the the judge. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the judge said and that hearing that they had, you know, for the the TRO, that temporary restraining order, that their contracts were very restrictive. Again, we haven't seen them. 
but I think they have to play in all 14. So they got 14 on the schedule for next year. They're going to have to play in all 14. If they don't, I think it's probably a public hanging, public execution, like anyone else who disobeys Saudi Arabia. Uh, That would be my guess. I'm sure it's going to be a, uh, I mean, honestly, I think it's probably going to be a super hefty fine. Like, like, Hey, we gave you a lot of money to play on this tour and every event, that you don't play it's like million dollars and probably know, just like everything like else it's probably all negotiated i'm sure phil has negotiated an out or two mm-hmm. you know i'm sure james piat you're a bitch for saudi arabia you know what i mean it's there's some guys sorry you're playing on all 14 if we're gonna give you some slub who won one event in his career you know eight million dollars a year then you're playing in all our events mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i i don't i get Get it? Like if if hey, if you want to sign a contract with a tour, you're you are signing a contract with a tour. Like you, you they own you. It's they a, own like, you. Soccer and 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 Europe. Like hey, the the team owns you. Like they sell the right. They sell your rights to another team. Like you do whatever they say. You know that's yeah. essentially what it means. And I mean. You know the PGA Tour; they don't have that, and the the only I think the big the big discrepancy which we've gone over before is that the PGA Tour the the, the guys don't make any money they don't they don't receive any money from the PGA Tour so to speak, um, but the PGA Tour can use their name and likeness and can promote and again that really it only affects like ten to fifteen guys, so there's only a few guys that can even present that argument. Uh, because most of the other guys are like, yeah, yeah you want Tom, Tom Hoagie's put, rights and image Tom aren't Hoagie's worth anything. like, you want to put my name on the on the cover of this event? Go for it. That's just going to help help me with my sponsors to get more money on the back end. You know, so there's there's a couple ways to look at it, but yeah, it really only affects like the top ten players in the world. But they actually, I, have I, a, I do have a value to their uh, exactly. I do understand where they're coming from and and why that that upsets them. But the same goes uh, for Patrick Mahomes or LeBron James or Sure. Sure, but they don't but own they, but they, No, but they do have a contract with with the with the the organization who is attached to the league which they that's all that's all wrapped into the contract. So, sure. you know, that that's all there. Um yeah, there indirectly. is a contract in place. So, that that's yeah. all accounted for, but PJ Tour, there is nothing. Um, so I, I can understand why there's the, the, those top fifteen to twenty guys are like, "Hey, man, you, you're using you're using my name over and over and over again. My picture. You, there, there's a, there's a select few that that can make that argument, but and they, and it's valid. It is valid. Sure, the guy who's fiftieth, yeah, it's you know you you should no. be happy that you're even out there. Yeah, yeah. And if you're not, then you should. You're, you're making a few million, a few million dollars a year, like because yeah. those guys are good. Yeah. So to speak, yeah. So, yeah. all right, let's let's get into our our picks this week. Yeah. We got Z- the Zozo. We're in Japan. Um, limited field. I mean, not limited field, but no cut event. I guess it is maybe limited field on the PGA nope. Tour. No, no, world, no real ranking points. No cut event. But see, when you have fifty events a year, you can get away with a few of them. <laughs> They're actually playing seventy-two holes. That's unlike good. Live. That's, That's cute. Actually, a real golf tournament. Are they, oh, wait, holes. are they cutting? They're cutting three guys in this. Yeah, they're going to cut one and a half guys. He's going to play the back. He's going to play. How the many front seventy-two nine. hole events you guys host founder? <laughs> None. Do y'all not play a real event? It's the foundry. We don't play real events. 
we play lift clean in place and we play partners and handicaps and guys are scooping them. It's not real golf. I'll say that a hundred percent, not real golf. We're talking about professional golf, elite professional golf, McLean, to use the foundry. All your members at the resume or at the foundry, my resume is being put together. Sure. And you know what? They don't want to play real golf, McLean. They don't want to follow the rules. Mike, Mike, I get it. I I know. So, Zozo, we already stated McLean won again for our season-long race. He's now up to 18 points. Jay came in. Second, he is up to nine. I came in last. I am also up to nine. Uh, Jay and I just just battling it out half of McLean <laughs> in the early season here. Uh, I will say, I, I could pull this up. We're not going to nail every pick on this podcast, but listen to us, guys. <laughs> we... We we give some damn good picks. I, I forgot. If they've I been listening at all. They fucking know that at this point. I mean, but seriously, uh, we, should... we gave like we gave like ten picks that finished in the top twenty. So we should do. Uh, uh, I'll be honest. Uh, we should do. Um, we do our picks, and uh, again, like if I, I finished second to McLean, but had I played in the million dollar tournament, I would have finished. I would have made like fifty bucks on my my pick. Um, you know, so we should probably do uh, some, uh, you know, a bigger event, like a big cash game or not a cash game, but a big uh, GPP event um, just to kind of show where we would have finished. So people I think it would be nice for people to hear sure. like, hey, yeah, they, these guys beat their brains in. But like they're if you're if we're all above average, um, we can do a cash game event or we can do a GPP event and we can still make money. So. I think people would like to see some validation for the picks. Cause I think I'll be honest with you, the listeners, we, we are, we're pretty good. McLean's been on a hot streak here and which is about to end um, because Mikey and I are going to bring the heat, but we, we've all been pretty damn good. Like I said, I lost two points by two points to, Mc, to McLean this week. And I needed, I mean, so I just, I pulled up the results from last week and you know, I just, clicked on McLean's name. So it brings up the two of our rosters and compares us. We have seven guys, just McLean and I alone, seven guys that we gave you in the top 20. Like, you know, we kind of know what the fuck we're talking about people. And I'm yelling at the listener, even though they're probably yelling at the screen. You guys are idiots. You're idiots, but we're not. We're semi idiots. Yeah. Just just quasi. I had a pretty strong field other than the three guys that missed the cut. My other three guys (laughs) Where so I had two guys missed the cut. Uh, I did have three guys in the top fifteen, including Matthew Neesmith, who came in second. Sung Jae yeah. seventh. Montgomery, you know, but McLean had Homa, Poston, McNeely, Lauer, all top twenty guys. Jay, you had Hoagie that was up there. Yeah, uh, you had Montgomery on your team. Andrew Putnam was top T twelve. So, you know, if we're gonna recap every week, we're gonna tell you what we were good at. So. Exactly. There you go. All right. Zozo, uh, short, tight golf course. Pretty good uh, field. A lot of guys making the trip over there um, this week. So, uh, defending champ, you want to go? You want to lead us off? I'm ready. Let's look at it here. All right. So, with just going off Mikey's fan club, my number one pick, I'm starting to high. <laughs> Wow. Uh, Mr. Tom Kim coming off of a heater. There's no reason to think that he's not going to at least make the cut and contend. 
Um, just a no cut event. Did we just discuss that? Regardless, I think the guy finishes top 20. Uh, moving down from there, I, I referenced my old friend, the power rankings this week. And the next <laughs> four out of my next five picks are from the power rankings. So I do have uh, Mr. Tom Hoagie at 8,600. Nice. I have Mr. Maverick McNeely coming off of a good week, looking to bounce back at a facility that he's been successful before, um, looking for him to contend. Uh, and then moving down from there, I do have Mr. Sepp Straka, guy who's been a contention a lot lately. Uh, I think he T Ford here in his first ever appearance. And then moving through, uh, I do have Mas- Matthew Neesmith, a guy who played well last week, looking for him to contend again. He's been playing well. Uh, also have Mr. Mackenzie Hughes rounding it out at 7,600. Um, if you look at the power rankings, I've got a lot of players there for all the right reasons. Um, and beyond that, Mr. Uh, Matthew Neesmith is my only player outside of the power rankings this week. Wow. Good for you. Wow. Look at that. Should or, we all just, we all just look at the power rankings? Or I should just amend what I said earlier, bragging about all our picks or to all of our listeners, you can just skip this segment of the podcast and go directly to the power rankings on pjtour.com. It's also yeah. an option. Because McLean has been killing us the last five weeks. So, All right. I'm going to go next. I'm going to give you someone. I, I mean, actually, I'm pulling it up right now. He's, this guy will probably not be on the power rankings because he's at $6,800. Hayden Buckley. It's a great, great driver of the golf ball on a golf course. I think it's going to be a premium. Hayden, um, Hayden Buckley. Is he from like Alabama or South Georgia? With that kind of name, it's got to be. He's definitely not from Massachusetts. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> We're all named after uh, Saints. All Catholic names, Chris, yeah. Paul, Michael, you know, those are our names up there. <laughs> Hayden is not uh, in Massachusetts, but he did is coming off a top 20 finish uh, at the Sanderson a couple of weeks ago. And like I said, he drives the ball well. So a little bit of a bargain um, play there just to help me spend a little more extra money up the board. Then I'm going to go uh, Mackenzie Hughes, $7,600. Is going to hit it pretty well at this place. Doesn't do anything really glamorous in his game, but is is solid. It just won Sanderson Farms a couple of weeks ago, so um, I like him to play well. And he finished T four here at this event last year. Then I will go up to Seb Straka, seventy nine hundred dollars. McLean had him as well, so I don't need to go over him that much. But he's he's a streaky player. He plays really well, and then he's going to miss Feel a bunch of cuts. free to go into it. Like it. He's going to play really well and then miss a bunch of cuts. So he is currently playing very well right now. So I like Seb Straka this week. Then I'm going to go up to $8,100. Sebastian Munoz played great at the President's Cup. They should have played him more. Made a bunch of birdies. He also finished T4 here at this event last year. So uh, I think his... Good, good play at the President's Cup's going to carry over at an event that he has played well in the past. Then I go up to Tommy Fleetwood. Mm. Jay mentioned him earlier. I think he's finally starting to feel it a little bit. He struggled there for a year or two, but the last, I mean, really, the last seventh, seventh year last year. Yeah, played well here last year. And really, the last like six months, he's been playing a lot better 
hitting it very, very well. I had an awesome stat on him earlier, and now I can't seem to find it. Um, okay, here you go. Last 50 rounds, he has gained 1.32 strokes per round, the second most to anyone. Yeah, I, 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 I you're, that's funny that you I had him in my lineup because I kept looking at what he's done over the last 15 events. He's missed only missed two cuts in the last uh, 12 to 15 events and, and really hasn't finished outside of the top 50 or the top 35 only once has finished outside the top 35. And then he's amassed like uh, six top tens during that, during that spread. That that dates back. Yeah. That dates back all the way to the uh, Arnold Palmer springtime. Um, So you're, you're like, you know, that's a, that's a lot of events to play that well. Missed only missed two cuts and only one one finish outside of the top thirty five. I mean, you're playing good golf, good golf, um, really good golf. So I I, I certainly had, especially with, with his finish here last year. So I really am feel like an idiot for not finding a way to put him in here. <laughs> I had him in there, and now he's not in. He's not in my lineup. So and so yeah, yeah I'm, I think he's going to break through at some point. He's, he's at least going to finish top twenty for me this week. I love that, especially four rounds of this golf course. I think he's just a steady ball striker, which I think this is going to lead to. It's not going to be power. It's just going to be, can we hit it solid all week, Mm -hmm. 7,000 yards? And then that leads me to a guy I haven't picked in a long time, but he's my whoopie. Justin Justin Thomas isn't playing this week. He's my whoopie. No, because I've picked him recently. This guy I haven't picked in a while because he was not playing well. $10,200, Colin Morikawa. This golf course sets up perfect for him he started to play well in the playoffs i liked what i saw at the president's cup that first day he was flushing his irons every shot he hit was inside of 20 feet and that's an actual stat every every approach shot he hit in the first round at the president's cup was inside of 20 feet he's found his groove with his swing he's hitting his cut again i like colin morikawa to win the zozo this week good for you (laughs) Good for you. Thank you. Um. Okay, that's great. I like a lot of those picks. I will. I will roll mine off here again, just to recap what this this event is. It's the you have a fifty thousand dollar budget. You pick six players, and you have to stay within that budget. Um, I, I feel like we should just kind of remind some of our listeners that they're not on DraftKings, so it can kind of give them an idea of what the hell we're talking about. Um, sure. So I like to start from the bottom. I, um, again, I, I went through three or four different articles of people that I trust. And this one I did not see on any article, but, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to pronounce this name correctly. So you can, guys can correct me. And I apologize to the listeners. It's Kita Nakajima. Um, he played in this event last year, finished 28th, but he also played in four PGA tour events, the open championship, the U S open, the masters and the Sony. Um, so he did not make the cut at the open. It did not make the cut at the U S open made the cut at the masters. Um, no, he did not make the cut at the masters. He missed <laughs> the cut at the masters, but he played in four majors. Um, and he did, did make the cut at the Sony finished 41st, but the fact that he's played in these events in the last calendar year, and now here he is coming back to the Zozo, um, in a familiar 
area. He's from Japan. So he's near and dear to this tournament. And he finished 28th last year at 6,100 bucks. I feel like he could be a pretty big sleeper. Wow. Um, what a sleeper. $6,100. 6,100. I think, I think, I think he's going to finish in the top 25. Uh, you pulled that one straight out of your rectum. I did. I mean, but I, I mean, do with the research, I, yeah, I feel like it's going like to happen. It. I like it. No, I like it. Um, this is what we, this is what I like drafting. I do. It's fun. You can Give us the sleepers. Find your, own, your own, your own way to kind of, you know, supplement, you know, some, some low end guys to, to be able to bring in some of the higher price guys. So, um, you know, from there he's at 6,100. Then I jump up to Adam Shank. Uh, you know, honestly, I looking back through the list of, uh, of his, of his past events, Sanderson farms and the Fort Fortinet, 40 net, the 40 net. Like I never say that correctly. I want to say Fortinet, but it's 40 net. Um, either way, he hasn't played that, that great as, as of late. And honestly, I don't know why I picked him, but every article that I read said he was a great value for the money. Um, so I, I'm going to give him a shot. Hell, who knows? This, he's the one guy that I'm not super confident about. Um, but from there, uh, Lucas Herbert, uh, he's been playing. He finished uh, fifth and at the Italian Open uh, a couple weeks ago. So for 7800 bucks, playing pretty good. Um, I won't spend too much time on him. Uh, Cam Young. I, I don't really need to go into details why I picked him. The guy's been on a whirlwind, you know, other than the, the Genesis Scottish Open that he played poorly in right before the Open Championship. He hasn't missed a cut. He's played incredibly well. Uh, seven or six or seven top top ten finishes. Uh, six, five top five finishes in that stretch. So he's playing some Great golf, super talented guy. Everybody knows who he is and, and what he's capable of, uh, but he's only priced at uh, ninety three hundred bucks. Uh, jump up to our defending champion of the last event played on the the PGA Tour, Mister Tom Kim. We've spent enough time talking about him. Um, this is a golf course that we've talked about, par seventy, uh, seventy one hundred yards. It's not super reliant on length. So I do feel like this is a, a golf course that he can Primo keep golf the course for him. Yeah, keep the momentum. He drives the ball really well. He's a great iron player, great putter. It's not a it's not a 7500 yard par 70, which would put him in a really really bad spot. Um so I I I do think that he plays really well. Again, like we're, we're when we get to the top of the, the list here, he's at 9700 bucks. You look at the value and how many points he could he could potentially earn. If he wins, great. You're going to put yourself in an incredible spot. But if he does play well, makes birdies, does what he's capable of doing, I'm going to get all the points that I need to to acquire to make this lineup work. And if he gets, you know, 80, 90, 95, 100 points at 9,700 bucks, that's a great value for for the money. And and I I do think he's he's probably going to get me close to 100 points, which is which is incredible. So. Um, then I jump up to my, my my last guy, who I do think is going to be the winner. Um, this gentleman has played played really well here uh, in the past. Um, so, and he's been playing some good golf. Uh, not, I'm sorry, he hasn't played well here in the past because he hasn't played in this event, but he has played well as of late. Mister Sung J M, 
Um, he's, I mean, he's been playing some really incredible golf lately. So, um, he's he's high priced. He's at ten thousand bucks, but I think he's going to play well. So again, you another got- another guy that can get you know 85, 90, 95 points. If he if he wins, then you're like you know depending on how the course plays, par seventy. I don't think these guys are going to amass the 120, 130 point, um, you know, threshold that you would see in some of these, some of the other tournaments. Like last week, you know, the winner got 125, 130 points, I think, maybe more than that. But, you know, they're not going to make as many birdies with being a part of They're not going to go as deep, but it's, he's, He's still obviously playing really well, and and he's got the opportunity to get you know close to 100 points if he finishes in the top five. So, um, Some, there you go. You got three studs with Cam I, I Young, able, Tom Kim, and Sungjae. I was able to sneak three studs in with with a couple. I I, I call them you know there's definitely three sleepers. Uh, uh, Herbert is playing. Is I think he's going to play well, and then and uh, Nakajima I think is going to. He's gonna give me a top twenty-five finish, which is huge at sixty-one hundred bucks. If you make the cut, I mean, we all know this. We look at these numbers all the time. But if you make the cut in in a PJ Tour event, like in, in a DraftKings event, again, our we're we're looking at how many how many points can we accumulate uh, in the span of four rounds? And if you can get a guy that can make a minimum of seventy-five to eighty points. And and make play all four rounds, then and at sixty one hundred bucks, that's a huge value, huge value. So, and I'm not saying he's going to get eighty points, but if he can even get, you know, sixty five, seventy points, making finishing the top forty, um, depending on how many birdies he makes, that's a huge value at sixty one hundred bucks. Well, that's, that's like no, a, that's, how you, no win, cut, that's how you so. win. That's no cut, you know. So you can, he's, you can keep exactly. building so, if you play bad for a couple of days. You can still amass a bunch on the weekend and get hot. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. So. Uh, I like it. All right, yeah, but a good field. You know, you got you got Xander, um, Hatton, Hovland, a couple of the guys that we did not mention or did not pick: Tom Kim, Sungjae, Hideki. So yeah, good a good field this week. I just wish it was on a better TV coverage. That's the thing about a world tour yeah. is you can't really watch it live for us in America here. So. But yeah, looking forward to seeing what I can and watching highlights or the replays that the golf channel will do in the mornings. So, but uh, unless you guys got anything else, that is it for this week's episode. Nice. Loved it. Enjoyed it, gents. Awesome. Thanks. And um, Thanks, again, for all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in as always. Please like, subscribe, listen, download, tell your friends, and we'll be download. back next week. Download, 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 right. like, subscribe, download. All that shit. Do, do it. Do it. Cheers.